This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. I suggest we use it. The body torsion stops here. Plug the radio in. Everyone, welcome once again to Evidence for Faith, the voice of Ratio Christi, the Student Apologetics Alliance. This is the Christian Evidences and Worldview radio program where we help Christians become thinkers and thinkers become Christians. I'm Keith Kendricks. Hastings. And we're going to be talking today about the Scopes Monkey Trial with a special guest, but I want to remind people that our website is evidenceforfaith.com. Check us out there. You can find archived shows for the past, what now, going on five years, can it be? Wow. Yeah, going on almost five years. This show's getting old. I'm telling you, we're getting, we got a lot of, uh, archived, backed up shows out there. <laughs> so that's evidence, the number four faith.com. Also, we have a Facebook page that Kirk is running, and we're getting some good conversations. Have you been paying attention to the conversation I've been having with somebody who commented on your list of evidences for Christianity? Yes, I did. <laughs> so that's that's going well. Trying, I've been kind of playing uh, devil's advocate, trying to duplicate his arguments uh, against him and uh, having some fun with that. So uh, if you like podcasts, you can find us on iTunes and also on Double Twist. And check out the Ratio Christie website at ratiochristie.org. Uh, right, let's see now. We have a quote of the week. This one I think you'll like. This is from one of my professors. It came actually from Apologetics 315, so kudos to them. That's a great website for all things apologetics. And it's a quote by J.P. Moreland, who is one of the smartest persons you'll ever meet. He's the author of a book called Love Your God with All Your Mind, The Role of Reason in the Life of the Soul. Highly recommended book. And here's the quote for this week. There is absolutely nothing wrong with admitting that you don't know something or that you're currently inadequately equipped to think a topic through. What is unacceptable, however, is running from this fact and thereby giving up on intellectual and spiritual growth in the interest of avoiding embarrassment or possible rejection. We all need help in this area and we should care enough about truth and reason to give that help. Even if we agree with one another's conclusions, we need to dedicate ourselves, for Christ's sake, to refusing to allow each other to reach those conclusions with poor argumentation and sloppy treatment of the data. That is from J.P. Moreland. And that is one of the things we try hard to do on this show, is to make sure that we hold other Christians and curious, interested people to a higher standard of argumentation and reason and critical thinking skills. Well, let us bring on our guest, 
John Conforti was with us last week speaking about the Galileo affair. And John Conforti, welcome back to Evidence for Faith. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here, Keith, as always. And you sound nice and clear this week. I don't know what it was. Last week, everybody said it was coming through clear, but for some reason I couldn't hear properly, and I thought it was a lousy signal. But regardless, it sounds great. Good. So we're going to take another look at a historical time when there was a conflict between science and atheism, and it has been turned around to be a conflict between science and religion. So, Kirk, you have written on this topic in your book. I don't remember, did you deal with it very in-depth, or was it a cursier, cursory review of the topic? Uh, actually, I wrote an entire chapter about it. <laughs> And I so, included information about uh, both the trial itself and the play that was made based on it and the film that was based on the play. Yeah, and I think that's probably the place to start because I think for people who have not looked into it, that is what they know about the Scopes Monkey Trial. If you ask anybody about the Scopes Monkey Trial, the only thing they know about it is from the movie Inherit the Wind. Yeah, and unfortunately, the movie and the play are very historically inaccurate, but most people don't know that. Yeah, and I think one of the best evidences that it is historically inaccurate is that they change the names of the people. And yeah. the playwright and the movie writers, uh, you know, intentionally stated that, that this was not a historical, uh, it was just based on it. In fact, I think the, the playwrights said that the, this was actually a play about McCarthyism. Yeah, it, 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 and that was one of the things that he said, that it was a response to what he thought was an assault on free speech at the time in the 1950s. Right, and so this apparently was – so then they just used the Scopes trial and made that into an assault on free speech, which, of course, it wasn't. Not at but, all. And, so, um, John, do, I guess do you want to kind of review – for us, um, a general outline of what the movie is about, and uh, then we'll get into starting to see what exactly actually happened and what's wrong with the movie. Sure. Um, yeah, because I, I did review the uh, – I, I screened the movie this week in preparation uh, for the show, and uh, I was amazed at just how almost flamboyant – you know, the, 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 it made this whole affair sound, uh, cause it starts off with the film starts off with, uh, if you're familiar with like the old westerns, you know, the, the typical scene of the bad guys congregating, you know, in the center of town, you know, meeting up one at, one at a time, you know, with guns ready in their holsters, ready to go. That's the kind of scene you get at the beginning of the, sh of the film where, you know, the, the you know, it's, it's, you know, one guy meeting up with another and then they look at each other with a stern steel look and then they get met by a third guy and you're like, you know, like they're ready to go rob the bank or, you know, a 7-Eleven or whatever it is they're going to go rob and turns out that these aren't you know the bad guys quote unquote necessarily this this is the sheriff and the mayor and the town clergy and they are heading straight for the town high school and they go into the high school and they go into the classroom of uh 
mousy little science teacher played by Dick York, who uh, people my age will remember as the uh, mousy little husband of the uh, of Elizabeth Montgomery in the television series Bewitched, and um, he is uh, teaching about biology and. As soon as he mentions Charles Darwin and the word evolution, the sheriff, you know, lurches forward and slaps the cuffs on and, you know, says, you know, you are hereby under arrest for violating the law of, you know, that, that teaches that, you know, anybody but God created the uh, humanity and he hauls them off and throws them in jail. And the, uh, of course, the townsfolk, you know, begin to, you know, get up into a stern, into a frenzy, when they hear, of course, that uh, two big powerhouse lawyers are going to come to town and uh, debate this case. And, of course, in historical, like you said, they, it's really annoying that they had to ch- that they changed the names uh, because, you know, you go through this whole thing having to keep straight who's who uh, right. in, your, in your head, you know, so it's like, okay, now who is this? And then you have to sort of guess at who this is. And, of course, the two powerhouse lawyers are, for the creation aside, uh, William Jennings Bryan, lo- lifelong Democrat, who uh, fought- But they don't say that, I don't think, do they? Uh, no, they don't say that he, I don't think they yeah. say that he was a Democrat. No, they don't. Um, they do say that he, uh, he fought for, uh, the, a woman's right to vote. He was a tireless, uh, uh, fighter for that cause when, it, you know, women's suffrage was, uh, was a big thing at the time. So he fought for that. He, they, he was also Secretary of State. I do think they mentioned that. Um, he was Secretary of State for Woodrow Wilson three, two times. He ran for president three times. Um, and, he, uh, I think, actually won once because he, he I think, he won the uh, popular vote, but lost the, uh, lost the uh, uh, oh. electoral college. Um, and uh, so, you know, this is a man that you know contributed a great deal to you know society. As a matter of fact, he uh, he was a he was a lifelong um, pacifist. He he resigned as Secretary of State for um, uh, over. Woodrow Wilson's entry into World War One. He would not serve as Secretary of State during time of war. Anyway, so he's coming to debate the creation side. And on the evolution side is Clarence Darrow, a well-known, you know, famous defense lawyer, uh, the, the defense lawyer of the defenseless, the defense lawyer of hopeless cases. He's extremely well-known, and uh, he's coming to defend the evolutionist side. And this whole thing, get, you know, get, really begins to get blown out of proportion, as 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 you might imagine. And uh, the film, you know, goes along, and, and Brian gets hailed as the as the great savior of uh, of you know Christianity, and he's going to really you know show you know the, the 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 people up north how things are really you know really doing. And, you know, Dar- Darrow, of course, is, is you know, beamed with tomatoes and everything else. Oh. Uh, <laughs> By yeah, those that, mean Christians, right? Those mean, evil Intolerant. Christians, you know. Yes. yes. As a matter of fact, my one of my favorite scenes is, because I'm a, I'm a, I'm a great fan of the old uh, Universal monster movies, and in, in those old monster movies, you always had to have a scene where the torch-carrying villagers have to come out, you know, carrying their torches where they're going to burn out the monster. Right, like out. Frankenstein. 
Yeah, they're going to burn him out of the out of the mill where Frankenstein is is hiding, or out of his castle, or whatever. Yeah. And did you, you get the exact same scene? Except they're not carrying torches; they're carrying protest signs, you know, and they're throwing bottles at uh, at um, the uh, at Scopes's jail cell, and <laughs> and hit and hitting him in the head with with you know vegetables and stuff. And um, they're singing. Uh, they're singing their own version of the Battle Hymn of the Republic, saying, oh, "You know, oh. we'll, we'll we'll hang John Scopes from a sour apple tree and things of that uh. sort." You know, so the, you know these 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 lovely darling, you know, right wing crazy Christians, you know, just just going nuts in in a fervor. And uh, of course, the highlight of the film is when Darrow gets to put William Jennings Bryan on the stand and makes him look like a complete idiot. Uh, the the most, I guess, insightful question, and I'm sure, and, and as an apologist, you know, we've all had this question thrown at us at least, you know, five times a week. Um, where did Cain get his wife? And, you know, da- and, uh, and Brian stumbles and stutters and sputters over this question and really doesn't give an answer. And as, uh, in, you know, Darrow asked, you know, this never bothered you? He said, no, it never bothered me. He said, you never thought about it? He said, no, I never think about things that I don't think about. <laughs> and then Darrow asks, well, do you ever think about things that you do think about? <laughs> and I have to say, I actually looked up the child transcript, and that is what that is accurate. That 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 exchange did take place. That that exactly those are quotes. <laughs> so wow. Um, so that that was you know he did you know made made uh, Brian look like a fool. And um, this was not in front uh, the the I believe that was wasn't in front of the jury, but of course this. Is all going out on the radio, which was a new, you know, uh, technology at the time, and uh, so you know, in front of you know America, he makes you know William James Bryan look like an idiot, and then uh, the verdict comes in. Scopes is found guilty because you know he did teach evolution. That was what the whole issue was about. Was you know, did he teach evolution? He violated the Butler Act, and he's fined the hundred dollars, and. Uh, because Brian was denied making a closing argument, he be, he stands up in the this is in the film. He stands up and starts you know blustering out his because everybody's leaving at this point. And he's like blustering out his closing argument, trying to get it in, and he drops dead of a heart attack right there in the uh, in the courtroom, you know, very dramatically. And the film basically ends there, you know, and that's pretty much the way the film goes. So um, I All don't right. know, you know. So now we can begin to analyze, like what, how history actually went. <laughs> All right. Well, let's remind people if they're just tuning in that they're listening to Evidence for Faith, a ministry of Rosho Christie. I'm Keith Kendricks. And I'm Kirk Hastings. <laughs> and we are speaking with John Comforti. We're on the topic of the Scopes Monkey Trial. So um, I guess let me ask you both. Uh, what you think about the current use of the film. My experience has been that this film has been used as if it is a documentary and it is repeatedly shown in high schools around the country and probably around the English-speaking world. I know at least as long back ago as when my children were about to go into the high high school, we went to a charter school that was starting up down in uh, South Jersey here, and I noticed one of the school projects on the wall. We were getting a tour of it, and you know it was all the latest. Most sophisticated high school that you could have, all private teachers and, you know, the best of the best. 
and you know it was going to be expensive, et cetera, et cetera. And on the wall was a project that students had written one-page summaries about the movie Inherit the Wind. And I said, I asked about this. Did did you show this movie? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I said, why? Well, we want people to know about things like religious intolerance and, you know, and I said, it, this, you think this is an accurate? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So that, isn't that kind of like um, sh- uh, trying to teach science to kids by showing them a Star Trek movie, though? <laughs> Pretty yeah. much. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you know, it gives the false impression that it is somehow accurate, and it is very anti-religious. Um, it's very anti-Christian. It makes it really um, – it, it uses typical uh, secular methodology, which is ridicule. Uh, ridicule and scorn – uh, you know, is the main methodology of trying to silence. I think in in Christianity, we try to advance Christianity through persuasion. In Islam, uh, you know, largely and unfortunately, um, a big section of Islam, it tries to advance by violence. But in secularism, they try to advance by suppressing, suppressing the other side. So if they can... Uh, silence you in any way, uh, they will. And one of the main ways they do it is by ridicule and uh, scorn and just making you shut up uh, out of embarrassment. If they gain power, then they will silence you through violence. But But then after they do this, they totally misrepresent your side also. Oh, yeah. Yeah, anything to silence the opposition. Yeah. So... Yeah. So um, um, what I find I, what I find ironic though is that if this writer was trying to make a statement against McCarthyism, okay, at, at the time, what he's done is that he's taken one historical uh, event and distorted the facts terribly and tremendously in order to make a statement about another historical era, right? Uh, which was charging that liberals and uh, people in Hollywood were distorting facts and truth in order to make their own political statements, which is exactly what he was doing. Right. You know, so, <laughs> see what I mean? you know, so he was, he was actually doing what he was being charged with in order to try to say that he wasn't doing what he was being charged with, right. <laughs> which is, you know, and H.L. Mencken at the time. Now tell people so, who H.L. Mencken is. H.L. Uh, Mencken was the, uh, the chief editor of the Baltimore Sun, who was an extreme left-wing uh, in politics. He even had uh, trouble with the liberals at the time. He, did, he disagreed with, uh, you know, the liberal wing of the liberal, liberal parties. I mean, so he was extreme left-wing of, of uh, politics in America at the time. And he made statements in his paper – uh, directly, I mean, you, you would you could almost tear them out today and attribute them to the new atheists that that, that you hear right. today. Uh, very much along the same lines as saying, you know, that uh, if that when you hear, for instance, evangelical, he, he, he quote, he said, quote, evangelical Christianity, as everyone knows, is founded upon hate. So there's a inflammatory, you know, statement if I ever heard one right there. But he goes on to say that we must 
Yeah, it sounds Ridic- really tolerant. Yeah, there's tolerance, right? Yeah. Uh, we must ridicule and put to shame anyone who has these beliefs wherever we find them and make it, you know, impossible for them to show their faces in public. So th- this is, you know, exactly what you just said. You know, they're not actually dealing with the arguments. They're not dealing with the issues. They're just trying to make it look, you know, stupid. And and that is not a, a way to deal with, you know, I, th- I don't think a way to, to deal with an intelligent human being. Right. It's not respectful. It's not, uh, you know, in, in any way, uh, you know, a, a, a proper way to go about things. Right. And, and as much as we would be tempted to ourselves, you know, make fun of the ridiculous things that atheists believe, um, we really should not uh, do that. Well, let's, uh, gentlemen, so let's talk about what really happened. So um, let's begin at, with the actual facts and some of the background information, if you can tell us about, uh, for instance, the uh, law that the Butler Act that supposedly outlawed evolution um, Let's talk about that. What what was the Butler Act and and why was it enacted? Okay. Um, well, I do have actually I have the the text of the Butler Act right here. It's very short, and it does actually it it it, it in its text does outlaw evolution explicitly and institutes divine creation. Um, it says it's an act prohibiting the teaching the teaching of evolution theory in all universities and all public schools, that it is unlawful for any teacher in any of the universities, normals, and all public schools uh, funded by public funds in the state to teach any theory that denies the story of the divine creation of man as taught in the Bible and to teach instead that man descended from a lower order of animals. Now, Okay, so let me just make a small point of clarification. It does not prohibit the teaching of evolution, right? It prohibits the teaching of human evolution. Yes. For a very specific reason. So go go ahead. Um, well that's that's pretty much it. That that is the Butler Act. There there is nothing else to it. It's okay. very short short and sweet. Okay. Um, so it's so it's false then to say that it uh, prohibited the teaching of evolution. You could teach all you wanted about evolution, you simply had to reserve man as a special creation by God. And there was a very specific reason at the time why they were concerned with the teaching of human evolution. And I would point out that the text, it says to teach instead that man descended. So in other words, if you were to teach creation and evolution, I would presume that would be okay because you're not teaching that instead and that is in place of divine creation. So, you know, I would imagine that that, that you could probably teach both. Oh, right. Technically according to the text of the, the law, but mm-hmm. you could not just teach the one. But, you know, there uh, – and, and I guess, you know, uh, Kirk, you could probably address this and that would be that there was – because there's a, a legislative history to this to this act that um, what they were specifically trying to avoid, why they were saying you could not do this, you know, te- teaching that mankind was 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 descended from animals. Well, yeah, there's a couple of different viewpoints on that, but I kind of buy the one that uh, says that um, with the. Uh, <clears throat> 
with World War One and everything that they were saying that um, this was being applied to different races and things and saying, well, according to Darwin, certain races are inferior to other races. And he said, Darwin said that he believed that it was the right thing to do to, uh, if I can use the word, encourage um, the removal of the lesser races and to encourage the superior races. So there was really right. a racist um, backdrop yeah. to what Darwin was teaching, and a lot of people were concerned with if you start teaching this theory of evolution, then they're going to start applying it this way and saying, well, this race is inferior and that race is superior. And, of course, well, that's what ended up happening with the yes. Nazis in World War II. That's exactly right. In Europe, yes. Yeah. Well, no, I no. let's correct that. That was yes. widespread in the United States. At this time, exactly. the eugenics movement was in full swing. This was pre-World War II. It had um, largely started over in Europe, in England, and in Germany. Uh, but it was being promoted by Harvard and Yale, all the scientists and biologists, uh, geneticists from those uh, prestigious schools and from the scientific organizations were all promoting eugenics and they had already begun forced sterilization. Mm-hmm. So yes, of the lower races, and the, the black race was one was a prominent race that was considered an inferior race at the time, and we should do everything we can to discourage them from multiplying. That's right. As, That's as you as had Planned friend. Parenthood was beginning, and yes. you had the forced sterilization. So up until I think the final forced sterilization was stopped in like 1960 in California. And that meant in the United States, there were a total of about an estimated 60,000 persons who were sterilized against their will by these evolutionist eugenists, uh, experts from Harvard and Yale. And wow, doesn't that sound a lot like Nazi Germany? Yes, yeah. exactly. And that's what yeah. they do. And to correct myself even further, it was happening, it was being taught in this town of Dayton, Tennessee. Uh, the book that Scopes supposedly was teaching from uh, was Hunter's Biology, and I have uh, a couple a quote or two here from that book. And uh, if I may, I'll read directly yes. fr- directly from Hunter's Biology. This is page one ninety six. Hunter's Biology: The Races of Man. At the present time, there exist upon the earth five races or varieties of man each very different from the other in instincts, social customs, and to an extent in structure. These are the Ethiopian or Negro type, originating in Africa, the Malay or Brown race from the islands of the Pacific, the American Indian, the Mongolian or Yellow race, including the natives of China, Japan, and the Eskimos, and finally, the highest race or type of all, the Caucasians, represented by the civilized white inhabitants of Europe and America. Wow. <laughs> so, you know, not that that sounds at all racist there. Um, and Hunter makes a suggestion as to what to do with these. He calls them, there's a whole section on parasitism and the cost to society. Oh, my gosh. Um, and That's the inc- eugenics movement. Yes, and included in this um, are... Uh, those that have, for instance, um, uh, he, he lists 
people with uh, diabetes, people with um, – oh, uh, Which Williams Jennings Bryan actually had. That's what he died yes, of. Yes, what he died of. Um, and what uh, 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 epilepsy, people with epilepsy, people with – uh, feeble-mindedness is, is right. one of the things that they called. And um, he said the, the, the science of weeding these people out, of being well-born, is called eugenics. Um, and Is that, that a quote from the text? Yes. Oh, the, wow. the, the cost to society of such families is very severe. Just as certain animals or plants become parasitic on other plants or animals, these families have become parasitic on society. They not only do harm to others by corrupting, stealing, or spreading disease, but they are actually protected and cared for by the state out of public money. Largely wow. for them, the poor house and asylum exists. They take from society, but they give nothing in return. They are true parasites. Wow. Next, no next wonder. Section. No wonder the Planned Parenthood and, and others, the Nazis, wanted to wipe out the lower races. Amazing. Mm -hmm. oh, oh, this is really a throwback to uh, all the way back to the ancient Spartans who, when babies were born, when male babies were born, they were examined, I believe, a few weeks or a few months after they were born. And if they found any defect in them whatsoever, they would take them out in the mountains and leave them to die. Because they wanted a superior race and they felt that we can't allow any of these inferior uh, children to survive or it's going to drag our race down. Well, right. it's kind of promoted uh, things like the Ku Klux Klan, too, and yet it's funny which was, because – Which was growing at this period. There was a second that's right. Klan movement that was growing at this time. So the, so the secularists were actually promoting things like the Klan racism, and yet when they went to Dayton to report on it, they ridiculed the Tennessee people for being uh, you know, related to the Klansmen. Uh, it's and amazing. Backwards, and, the know, hypocrisy. Right. And it, and this and this gets better. I mean, um, if I – one last quote here because under the section called The Remedy, if oh, no. such people were lower animals, we would probably just kill them off to prevent oh. them from spreading. <laughs> Humanity oh. will not allow this. But we do have the remedy of separating the sexes in asylums or other places and in various ways preventing intermarriage and the possibilities of perpetrating such a low and degenerate race. Remedies of this sort have been tried successfully in Europe and are now meeting with success in this country. There you so, go. That's your forced sterilization. Yes. And this is, and this is what Brian was, was trying to prevent. Right. You know, and I, I mean, a man who had fought for you know, people's rights and for the common man all his life, this is the kind of thing that, you know, brought brought him out in force. And the only and, – and as we've argued many times, the only philosophy that gives a basis for the intrinsic natural dignity worth. of mankind yeah. and worth of mankind is that he is created in the image of God. You cannot right. get intrinsic natural rights out of atheism. It's impossible. Right. Well, if you are just joining us, you're listening to Evidence for Faith, a ministry of Ratio Christi. I'm Keith Kendricks. And I'm Kirk Hastings. And we are speaking with local apologist John Conforti about the Scopes Monkey Trial. Now, gentlemen, we have looked at the Butler Act, the law that was passed to try to prevent this the spread of this eugenics movement in Tennessee, and... What happened next? Who reacted against the law and 
How was it done? Well, as far as I know, Scopes was never actually arrested. I mean, they, they show like this this big dramatic opening. Yeah, uh, now that's in the movie, but that happens later. There's something that happens before that starts this whole ball rolling. Anybody remember? Well, are you talking about uh, the ACLU getting yes. involved in this? <laughs> yeah, what did they do? What did the ACLU do? Well, this is interesting. The The ACLU had just been formed as a group in 1920, a few years before this, in 1925. And the, uh, the New York office of the ACLU heard about this Butler Law in uh, Tennessee, and they decided they were going to challenge it. And they set this whole thing up. The whole trial was a setup in order to um, have this law overturned and to teach right. people in the process that um, evolution is science and is the truth and religion is basically bunk. Mm-hmm. So they it was they all in, set up in Robinson's drugstore. That's right. That's yep. right. So so what happened is the ACLU put ads in the papers in Tennessee. Yep. And said uh, if anybody would like to challenge this law, we will back them and we'll do it gratis. Right. Right. Yep. So we will defend you if you decide you're going to teach. Uh, evolution or human evolution. So and, and, go ahead now about the – so what happens? A couple of guys are sitting around in a drugstore in Dayton, Tennessee, and they're reading the newspaper. Uh-huh. And what happens? Well, and, go ahead, John. Well, I, and John Scopes, uh, you know, decide they, – they ask uh, Scopes because he was a – Gym teacher, if I remember. That's oh, right. That's right. He was, yeah, he didn't teach biology. Yeah, he didn't, wasn't even a science teacher. He That's had right. substituted, he had substituted one day for the science teacher and they asked him, you know, did you teach evolution on that day? He said, I don't know. He said, but I'm willing to say that I did. That's right. If, you know, because they wanted, Dayton had just had their, their coal mine close. So they were looking to, to get some economic infusion here and they saw an opportunity you know to get some free publicity if they could get this trial held here and so the the town fathers persuaded scopes to say okay yeah i taught evolution on that that one day and uh so to this day we really don't know whether he did or he didn't he probably didn't um i actually have i actually have in my notes that he was a mathematics teacher an athletic coach and a substitute teacher he wasn't even a regular teacher that's yeah he was coach that was his main job was a coach he might his training i think was mathematics right so um now there's also an additional interesting part and that goes back to one the main instigator the person whose idea that day in the drugstore whose idea it was do you know the history of what he had against Christianity. Are you talking about, uh, if I can pronounce his name right, George Rapalia? I believe that's him. A 31-year-old geologist and native of New York City. Well, one of the men in that room, it might have been him, I'm not sure, had recently had a child die. Ah. And he asked the pastor, "Will what is my son in heaven? Mm-hmm. And the pastor told him, "No, his son had gone to hell." Mm-hmm. That is brought. That is brought up in the film. You're that, talking that, about a different guy then, because this rebellion right. that I'm talking about. Um, uh, in my notes, it said he had a strong personal dislike for fundamentalist Christian religion, and he came down to Tennessee to get involved in this setting this trial up. So you're talking about somebody different. Okay. 
Yeah, it was a. Uh, it was somebody there that day who was the starting who read the read the advertisement and said, "We need to do this." And mm-hmm. his main um, emphasis was to get back at Christianity for uh, what they had done in claiming that his son had had gone to hell when he died. Right, which is a terrible thing. I mean that that. Oh, it was a, a very, horrible thing for that that for, right. minister to say. But it also brings up an issue that you know. I know we as apologists do run into, and that is, and I, and, and when I'm speaking to, you know, training apologists, and I, I tell them to look for this, and that is that, truthfully, 95% of the time, you do not run into people who turn away from Christianity or reject Christianity because of issues. They turn away from Christianity because they have causes. You will find the, the issues are usually smoke, a smokescreen. They, 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 they have rationalized their their cause into a rationalization but you mm. dig down through those through those issues and you remove those and you'll find somewhere somehow you know my father mistreated me i watched my mother die of cancer i had right. a child die and those are causes those are not it, those are not reasons those are causes so there's right. usually and, there's usually an emotional reason is what you're saying is that right well, an emotional—it's a cause. It's it, it, it's 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 an it's a event that causes them to turn away or to blame God for something. Right, and then, that and when you get to that, now you yeah. can deal with the cause of their of their frustration or their issue against God, as opposed to you know, well, I don't believe in God because uh, because the reason is evolution happened. Right. Know? Yeah, that, that's right. They, 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 no one turns – you'll find a very, very few people that will have that as a, as a real reason. But most of the time, it's kicked off by a cause, and then they will, they will pile reasons on top of that cause in order to rationalize their turning away and blaming God. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, it's not reasonable, it's not rational, but it is human. You know, and that is what we have to really empathize with. And I teach, you know, I try to teach beginning apologists that you, that's when the love and caring, you have to love someone into the kingdom at that point. You have to, you know, that's when real Christianity has to kick in. You know, you, you're, you're, the, the heart part has to kick in. Right. Now, before we get uh, too close to the end, let's do tell people about the redo of the movie that with, uh, uh, it's it's again a, a kind of a dramatic movie. It's not a documentary about what actually happened, but it's it's a dramatic movie where some of the true issues were brought out, and that's the movie Alleged. So, ha- have any of you seen the movie Alleged? No, I haven't. Actually, I did. I watched that one also this week. Okay, great. Oh, I, right. Well, then you've seen it more recently than me. So let's tell people about this movie and and uh, what you, what your thoughts are on it. Well, it was made in 2010, and it uh, basically goes over the, you know, this ghost monkey trial. And it actually, where, where it represents the trial, I found it to be much more closer to the events as they actually happened. It shows the scene of the uh, the the town fathers, you know, talking to Scopes in the drugstore. It, uh, you know, has you know a lot more of the. Uh, uh, the atmosphere, I think, uh, is is more appropriate. You know, it doesn't have you know the the foaming at the mouth, raging Christians, you know, throwing beer bottles at the uh, at poor John Scopes and stuff right. like that. And yep. um, did it 
I, I remember a part, and I'm not sure if it's from the movie or if it's just from my old research, but wasn't there, didn't some of the guys who were planning this and trying to make it a publicity event, didn't they hire some guy to get a gun and start shooting it into the air and yell about, um, you know, yes. how, how dare they attack the Bible or something? Was that yes. in the movie? Yes, that was in the movie. Yes, that that uh, one of the guys who was trying to get a job with the Baltimore Sun was was basically making news, and that's what H. L. Mencken had to- taught him how to do. I mean, they were doing it even back then. We talk about the media, you know, today. You know, this this was the era of yellow journalism, you know, and they were he was basically making news, and so that was one of the things that yeah he hired someone to, you know, go chasing someone out of the drugstore with a gun or something. <laughs> yeah, that was that was in the movie, and you know, us, you know, a lot, us, you know, some of that went on, and uh, the the thing I had the issue that I did have, and also the film also did very much bring out the issue of eugenics, the whole right. eugenics issue that was going on. Uh, I think I could have done a little better job maybe tying it to the whole issue that was going on. And I think it maybe spent a little bit too much time on the romantic subplots. Right. I should have spent more time with the, with the trial itself. That's but what overall, I thought. Yeah, and, and especially the evidence, because what's interesting is the evidence for evolution at this time in 1925 – they had a lot of evidence such as um, Piltdown Man and other Crobangan Man and, and different things like this. Um, already at that point, a lot of this evidence was being questioned by independent scientists. But mm-hmm. now we know that virtually every piece of evidence that was introduced on the side of evolution in the court case, we now know is false. Well, we have to remember that that – it, it was all the stuff that Darrow wanted to introduce. He did not – he was not allowed to actually introduce evidence by the experts, if you remember, um, in, in, in the trial. He wanted – he had brought a whole bunch of experts down from New York that he wanted to introduce into the record. Uh, but the judge had ruled that um, – and, and, of course, you know, he, he, he drilled through with the, uh, with the scientists what, they, what their testimony was going to be. And I believe they did have a small scene in the film – going over some of that but uh he was denied being because the issue was as the judge stated did scopes teach this theory or not not what the theory was or whether it was true or not so that was the issue that was okay well then correct something for me then because uh, maybe it's a false impression i got Um, wasn't it true that during the trial um darrow actually really out uh outmaneuvered William Jennings Bryan and he used a ploy, used a trick in the law that allowed him to present evidence for evolution and then um, I believe he, so he he made a motion and he was allowed to go ahead thinking that uh, Brian would be able to respond, and Brian prepared as if he was going to be able to respond, but then Darrow reversed himself after he had already presented uh, the evidence, and then that left Brian uh, unable to answer. Well, what? Well, yeah. What, what you're thinking so about? Am I remembering is, it correctly or not? Not quite. What What um, he did was this is where he put Brian on the stand, and he was allowed to put Brian on the stand to testify on the Bible as an expert on the Bible, and he did make Brian look like an idiot. the The condition of that was that Brian would then be allowed to cross-examine Darrow the next day 
as as a uh, expert on evolution. And what happened was because it was Darrow's uh, defense, Darrow the next day just up and rested his defense, which preempted Brian from being able to cross-examine him. So we basically welched on the deal. So uh, yeah, I, th- I think that's what you're thinking about. Okay. Well, I also right. un- I also understand that um, Darrow had eight scientific experts with him that he wanted to testify. Uh, in the trial, but the judge wouldn't allow that. But he did allow them to read some of their remarks into the record of the trial. And then You're those right. those records were distributed to the press, and the press printed them all over the place. You're right. They that they were read into the record, but they don't. I think that that was for the um, for the uh, case of the appellate court. They were not to be able. To, they were not considered by the jury. You're right. They were read into the record. Right. But so the then, press, the press got a hold of these these testimonies and went nuts with them, printing them sure. all over the place. So then mm-hmm. Brian never got to answer those press reports, and those were all no. things like the uh, Piltdown Man, the hoax, because uh, it hadn't been revealed that it was a hoax at that time. And Although no. before 1925, there were already scientists who had examined the tooth of the uh, Piltdown Man and had determined that it was not uh, uh, human. Um, but it still hadn't essentially officially come out yet. It hadn't been recognized right. that it was a hoax. And so, they also uh, used something. Those were the kinds of things that were presented. Oh, look, we have this tooth, and this is the Piltdown Man, and right. you know. They also tried to and, present Nebraska Man, which was also later shown to be oh, a fraud. That's right. That's right. And before we do run out of time, I just wanted to, a few other miscellaneous inaccuracies in the public. First off. Um, Scopes never spent any time in jail. Okay, so the the whole scenes of him in jail uh, are inaccurate. He never spent any time in jail. He was fined a hundred dollars. That and that was paid. That was everyone in the world offered to pay that. So he was never, you know, subjected to any you know severe hardship uh, in, in terms of this. And in fact, the case was overturned on a technicality because the judge. Instituted that fine of a hundred dollars, and in Tennessee, a judge can only institute a fine of fifty dollars, and the jury technically had to institute that fine, and so that's where it was overturned. But the Tennessee um, Supreme Court, I thought, had a very interesting take on this when they said that they did not find that this law, and the, and the law stood for the next oh thirty forty years, um, because they said there was this is not a conflict or with state and religion because no religion adheres to Darwinism and so therefore it's not cheating no. or being or being preferential to any religion to say that you, you can't teach it. It's yeah, not a that, violation. That of law the First actually Amendment. stood in Tennessee until nineteen sixty eight before it was overturned. Mm-hmm. Right, and that and that because they, because that was their that was their reasoning. So unless you want to consider atheism a religion, and of course atheists never want to do that, um, then it doesn't violate um, the uh, the the First Amendment because it's not slighting any particular religion. So that was the Tennessee Supreme Court's uh, take on it. And um, so on a technicality, the scopes was overturned, and um, the law stood. You know, so that. Uh, so those were, you know, some of the other inaccuracies that were in the film. So interesting. But, uh, Kirk, any final um, 
comments on some of the issues that you discovered in your research? Well, I'm actually listening to all this. I'm wondering why somebody hasn't done a documentary film on this and done it accurately to offset these fictional versions of it to set the record straight. Well, there is some. Um, I know there's a – in Dayton – um, I think there's a college called Bryant College, and they have been doing a fair, basically, um, kind of the Scopes Monkey Trial Fair, and they do a reenactment of the uh, case. Um, and I believe that that and that is based 100% on the transcripts. So of course you don't have all this interesting background about eugenics and you know the kinds of ploys that were going on and the atheist journalists uh, deliberately uh, faking stories and um, purposely trying to make people look stupid. You don't, you don't have that kind of thing. But at least as far as the actual trial itself, you do have that. And and they just recently stopped doing that live performance and they made it into a film. So you can get kind of a, um, a documentary about it. But I think that's the best. Uh, John, did you run into anything? Ooh, did we lose John? Uh, maybe we did. But anyway, okay. this that film alleged that you referred to sounds pretty good, but it sounds like we really need a definitive documentary on this that schools could use that would set the record I'm sorry, straight on I'm this. I'm sorry. I'm still here. Oh, okay. You had your mute on okay. or something. So, uh, yeah, so, something must have, uh, yeah, must have hit a wrong button. Sorry. Huh. Um, the one thing I did, if, uh, for three bucks uh, on your Kindle on Amazon.com, you can get the whole trial transcript. So oh, if you're wow. interested, you know, in, uh, in in doing that, I would say don't get your history from Hollywood. Actually, get it from history. Right. <laughs> right. That would be that would be my my uh, my final word. That's on good it. advice. <laughs> So I guess there's not an actual documentary, though, that you could go to that might uh, take it from a more uh, Christian viewpoint. Not that I've seen, no. Yeah. Well, Keith, okay. maybe we need to make one. Well, there you go. That would be great. We need to go into <laughs> filmmaking next. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, gentlemen. Uh, John Comforti, thank you so much for joining us again on Evidence for Faith. It's been a pleasure uh, to be here. I'm Keith Kendricks. And I'm Kirk Hastings. And you've been listening to Evidence for Faith, a ministry of Ratio Christi. Please send your comments or questions to email at evidenceforfaith.com. And join us again next week for more reasons to believe. And always remember that the best reason for being a Christian is because it's true. That was-